0: Welcome back to another episode of 99 Potions the Premier, FanBite RPG Podcast. I don't know why we say premiere, it's the only RPG podcast, but it is <laughs> Premiere in our hearts and in mine, Steven Strums, managing editor of fanbite.com. And I am also joined by a premiere
2: head of large, John Warren. Hi, and it's me, I'm back. I was gone last week, and now I'm here this week. So is I. It's a it's kind of a double whammy of like, you know, one in, one out, you know, Oh, it is. It is kind of, totally. Yeah,
0: it works out perfectly. Uh, speaking of one in, one out, we do have someone in that has not been in on a fan podcast in a minute. Really, it is Eric Van Allen of now destructoid dot <laughs> the, com. The
1: now wandering, destructoid. The wandering gamer has found another home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, it's fine. Like you went to Destructoid because you destroyed US Gamer. It, it was fine. Oh, wow. Wow. Wounds
1: too fresh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Hi, I'm here. All oh, you're getting dunked on five seconds into this podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny because you- Steven said that you haven't been on a podcast in a second. And I almost interjected to go, like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I'll, I'm I'm just thinking about a real life in person conversation that you and I had two weeks ago. right, right. Because we, we, we saw each other in New York, and I was like, "No, Eric's been on a show." I'm like, "Nope, that wasn't a show." Hi, John. You have a bad relationship with the content you make. Uh oh. I thought, John, you
0: were going to say that it's like, no, Eric is on Fan by Podcasts, Normandy FM, thinking that like everything else in the world I've we had acquired Normandy I've,
2: FM. I've kind of done that in my head before, where I'm like. Yeah, like you could go listen to 99 Potions or Norman DFM, Two very real fanbite <laughs> podcast network podcasts.
0: Yep, exactly. They're exactly the same. Yep. Um, but they do have exactly the same sort of dulcet tones from uh, Eric and us because we are here to talk about uh, probably a couple of different video games, mostly about a game that I've really, really, really wanted to talk about for a while. And mm-hmm. Eric is one of the uh, experts on the game that I know of. Uh, it's a little game called Wilder Myth that has been on Steam for a minute here. Not on Switch,
1: much to my chagrin.
0: Oh Feels my like God. a perfect Switch game. It's a perfect uh, Switch game.
1: I'm. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe I don't know there there are some aspects of this game that I do think would be rough to translate to switch but we can talk about that when we're would when they we're be rough the yes would they be worth it probably yeah I mean it's going cool to be the perfect steam deck game as well oh, yeah that's my right, exactly. Deck
2: de- game yep yeah Can't
1: John wait. has also
0: played some Wildermyth too yeah I have
1: I, I'm not
2: not as much of it as either one of you but enough to uh, know that there has really never been a game like this I feel like which I think is yeah. pretty cool um, yeah yeah, I did some research on the studio as World Walker Games are based in Austin, Texas.
1: Did you know that, Eric? Yes, they are. Did, uh-huh. did you, did you, do you know the Do you know the names of the two creators? Uh, I think I do. I, I was talking to them not long ago because uh, obviously them being in in Austin and also me being in Austin, sure, I'd very much like to talk to them about how good their game is. Uh-huh. So. do you know it that their just... names
2: are Nate and Ann Austin? They're yep. both named Austin. Yep. What the fuck is going on with the studio?
1: This it is threw wild. me for a bit because I was like, "Are they? Are they in Austin? They are Austin based, I guess." Oh my god. <laughs>
0: It is also just as Jordan, our wonderful producer, who is in the Discord call as usual, um, just made me remember. I am not only the only boy, and not the only the. No, sorry. Hmm. I'm the only <laughs> not Austin. Like you're not all in Austin. You're not yeah. all in Texas at all. You are all Texas boys. Not a boy, not from
2: Texas. That I'm <laughs> outnumbered. Right. On yeah. This year episode. Uh, I can't, uh, Stephen. I almost corrected you on on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, no, wait, hold listen, on, Steven. Listen, um, <laughs> I've been fighting a cat
0: all morning that I slept really, really well. You've been this fighting cat- a cat
2: so hard it's been fucking with your gender. Oh, no. Oh, God. Listen, people told me about cat boys,
0: and I had some questions and then I, <laughs> I had to have a conversation with a real cat to clear them up. And it's left me with more uh, confusion than answers. But, but yes, um, you,
2: you are on the call with three uh, Texas, Texas kiddos. That's true. Yeah. Yeehaw! Yeehaw!
0: <laughs> that was the most. That was the weakest yeehaw <laughs> I've ever heard.
2: It's, I know that yeehaw though. I get it.
1: That yeehaw. The, heavy, says the heaviest so many of things. yeehaws. Yep. It's, it's the yeehaw I do every time I see the phrase like Greg Abbott does something in a headline. I'm like yeehaw! <laughs> yeehaw, Greg! Oh no! Oh
0: yeet yeah I'm, God. i'm actually kind of surprised that this like something about wildermyth doesn't feel american to me it's certainly not texan it feels like a almost like a british like story-driven game that like you know like a not not that kara ellison is british but it feels like something that would come out of like her sort of gang of sure. like, british writers kieran gillen sort of thing mm. very story-driven it for people who don't know and this comparison might mean nothing. It's basically the yog meets XCOM is the yeah. closest comparison I can make.
2: Yeah, does that sound right? Yeah, okay, kinda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, it is a it, it it is an expression of a tabletop RPG that like I feel like people have talked about for a very very long time and, right. and kind of gotten close, but this game gets like. As close as I feel like is reasonable to expect with like AI technology right now. Yeah, um, and it's wild. Uh, I I'm, I'm like uh, when when I saw Eric play this game on stream. I don't I don't know when that was, Eric. It was months ago though. Um, and I just popped in for a half second to really just kind of see what this game was like. Uh, we could we can also talk about this. I don't want to like. I don't want to be too hard on it, but it's like I don't think the aesthetic of this game is my jam at all.
0: No, not at all. And, no.
2: and when when I saw Eric playing it, I was like, oh, this game, looks well, kind of like not my yeah. thing. Yeah. Exactly. But then I, but then I saw just the mechanics of it and I saw some of the stuff unfold and I was like, this is this is fake. I It, it was the same feeling I got when I saw the trailer for No Man's Sky. Mm. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, very specifically, I mean the trailer for No Man's Sky. They're like, No Man's Sky itself, even even though it has gotten so much better than it once was, doesn't fill me with the kind of awe that I thought it would. Right. But Wilderness like, like the kind of possibility. does that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know.
1: Yeah. The the aesthetic is definitely what turned me off of it for a while. And, and I feel like... Not I'm not I promise I'm not like tooting my own horn here or anything like this, but I feel like I was one of the, the first like media people to start like posting oh, you about were, this and for stuff.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: Um and, and I I think I had initially like what broke the seal for me was hearing waypoint folks gush about it as well. Um and I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, get past the aesthetic because it I I ultimately don't think it's bad. It's just not something that looks immediately. Appe- it reminds me of flash games is what it does. It sure. reminds me a lot of like games I would have, you know, logged onto the school computers and found like the one site that wasn't blocked by the firewall that would still let me play the one flash game that I've been playing. Um, it gives me those sort of vibes. But what I think that ends up letting it be is something that's really moldable and really malleable and, ultimately that's what Wildermyth is to me is it's intensely malleable in a right. way that I haven't expected narrative games to be before. Um, just the, the setup of, you know, it starts out very simple of you having three characters that you start a campaign with and you get sort of a sets the tone, of uh, first mission, either whether that's there, there are kind of multiple different pre-written like campaigns that you would expect if you got like a D&D book that that had a quest in it that that you would follow for a campaign. Yeah. Uh, or you can do kind of a randomly proc gen one. Uh, but it will like set the table for you and then it just starts expanding outwards in so many ways. You, as you venture, you can recruit new people. As you do different quests, you might have story events happen. You might run into a fire spirit or, or an actual like giant fire. And one of your characters is like, uh, this fire doesn't feel hot to me. And you're like, wait, what are you talking uh-huh. about? And they're And they're like, yeah, no, the fire feels totally normal. It even kind of feels safe to me. Like, like a homecoming of sorts and you could be like, yeah, walk into that fire and then they come out and they're like half fire spirit now. And it's fantastic. I had an excellent, uh, Child, actually, because your characters can have children in this, too. That's how long the campaigns stretch out. There was a child of two of my favorite characters that became this amazing hunter that had the arms and legs of a fire spirit and would basically set entire battlefields ablaze and then, like, run across it with a crossbow, just taking out enemies, like, wild. And it was so cool that this all happened through these random events that just proc and happen and create these cool stories. It's it's what I feel XCOM misses, honestly. Yeah. Like this is what I want from XCOM is not to just have soldiers and characters, but to have stories that happen alongside them. Right.
0: Yeah, XCOM, I feel like I just played through War of the jo- all the way through War of the Chosen earlier this year again, mm-hmm. and I feel like they have definitely been trying to go in that direction because I think they, like a lot of other studios that are uh, making games like this, realize that this is where kind of games are going is people want that like interpersonal relationship represented and stuff i think it's why fire emblem ended up Mm, being so popular is because like the you know oh i can make my paper dolls kiss you know (laughs) (laughs) Um, and this is that times a thousand is the thing it's not it's not quite as gamified in the way that it is in um fire emblem because it can just be yeah, your character chopped off. Her, uh, my example of this, I forget if I said this on Ninety Nine Potions or if I said it on Channel F. So this might be a rebeat for listeners to this show. But my example of this was a part where my character fell down a hole in the ground mm. and saw like a big crystal cavern, and she went to go like, "Well, I get, I, I'm going to chop off one of these pieces of crystal, like one of these gems." And she did that, and the. Gem rocketed off of the altar and into her eye socket. And she's like, oh shit, I have a crystal eye now, but I can see through it just fine. This seems okay, I guess. It's weird, but I hey, it's not hurting me at all. And then as she aged up, as the eras of the game progressed through the campaign, more and more of her body started to become crystal and to the point where there was another uh, thing where she was basically going out on a date with another lady that I had on my team. Um, and they... Uh, got captured by cultists and she's like, okay, I found this bone robot made it like a robot made of bone and sinew and skin in the back of this place. And it's a digger robot. We can use it to uh, get our way out of this cave. Jordan says, we've all been at dates like that. And it's like, uh, yep.
2: It's very funny.
0: <laughs> Genuinely have mine. Didn't go this well though. Um, because she cuts off her own arm to fuel the bone robot and the bone robot becomes like a a little pet that follows them around in combat and it becomes like basically a free unit I can bring with me anytime she's in the party. And I was like, well, she's an archer. How is she going to shoot her bow if she doesn't have two arms? Mm -hmm. And the answer was her severed arm grew a big crystal arm that could transform into a huge shield that she also got a defense buff from, mm-hmm. <laughs> And if, like for the rest of the game, she was just like that, it was so cool. And the fact that like, th- not only can these different things happen, but they can also interact and commingle, yeah. does make the game feel way more replayable as a result.
2: I mean, th- those moments feel like, and, and like, I-, I don't think you have to have played tabletop RPGs to appreciate this game at all, but no. those moments feel like a DM that is like, enabling you in the coolest way. Yeah! Like, yes, that, it feels yeah. like a DM that is, like, rolling with it, that's yes-anding and saying, like, okay, so d- d- is it silly that a crystal goes through your eye? Like, that seems like a bad situation, right? What if it's not a bad situation? What if it's going to work out in your favor? Like, what if you lean into these things? Like, these are things that I think a good DM does that, like, yeah. allows the story to unfold mm-hmm. in an unexpected but organic way. And the fact that it's, like proc gen is fucking bananas i mean that that's just you know speaks to the the, you know the the level of um the level of just kind of literacy of like fantasy storytelling and dming that this team must have um to be so confident to add this many elements to something because like you know i I haven't i've only played a, a couple campaigns but like I I don't know, like a lot of folks that I'm seeing have played this game a lot are not seeing a lot of like repeat elements, a lot of um, unique stuff is still happening. And I think that's astonishing. I mean, this is one of the most replayable games I think I've ever seen.
0: I have played through, I've, I've beaten the first campaign and I, it took me a, a several tries. So I ended up doing like several failed campaigns up to that point. Mm-hmm. But I still haven't in all that time seen that like mermaid event that you ran but That into I did, that yeah, 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 yeah. I got
2: married mermaid? in my first like hour and a half in, in the game. Like I saw a mermaid in a forest nest, next to a lake and one of my characters ran off and was just like, wow, you're kind of cool. And the mermaid's like, yeah, whatever, and then I decided not to let her be aloof and be like, no, like, what's your deal? How do you like the lake out in the middle of the forest? And she's like, oh, you're, like, interested in talking to me? And, and then we got married. We kissed and got married because Incredible. we just had this, like, instant connection, and it was just like, I don't know. I was I was just kind of looking around. Like, what? are any of y'all seeing this? I'm getting fucking married on this <laughs> in like an hour and a half <laughs> into this thing, and you know it has like it has like far reaching consequences too. And it's just very. I don't I don't know. It just it gave me a almost eerie feeling of like a ghost in the machine of someone in this mm-hmm. thing saying. Yeah, this is this is yours and it's yours alone and I'm making this happen for you, which nice. is weird magic right. shit, you know, in terms of of in-game storytelling to me.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm glad you mentioned like the long-term stuff too because I yeah. think there's like two magic tricks that Wildermyth pulls and the first one is when you realize that this is essentially like a proc gen tabletop role playing game being played out and all this stuff is being randomized and you're able to kind of create this party and watch them go on all these adventures and these stories will just form organically and you'll start to really endear yourself to these characters. That's like the first one that happens. Yeah. The second one is when you play some of the later campaigns, when they introduce the concept of legacy characters. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. when you finish, a campaign, you're allowed to take some of the characters from the campaign you just finished and put them in, like basically a, a hall of heroes, like a legacy uh, pool. That then later on, whenever the game needs, like what you know, whatever a flag shows up that it says "I need a legacy character for this," or you have even campaigns that start with legacy characters in your party it will kind of pull from them and it's not pulling those direct characters in. It's not like you pick up right where you left off. It's, it, it's almost like it's pulling in like the mythological folk hero version of your character in, Yeah, like, you know, like they were off on their adventures and this is just another side venture that they went off on while, you know, during the years of peace between chapters in another campaign or whatever. And, Like, I now have a pantheon of heroes that are completely, you know, generated and randomized by the system that I feel incredibly endeared to, that have been on multiple campaigns with me, that each have their own story that they've developed across these different tales that just feel like these real standout characters, like, you know, care if I say like cowardly or Esme to y'all, that doesn't mean shit. But to me, those characters are ones that have followed me through multiple campaigns and gone on some of my favorite adventures and become real, like standout, like icons in their own way. And, uh, that's like the second amazing thing that this, this game does is it really opens that stuff up to not just create one amazing campaign, but to create like multiple campaigns in the way that you would have these amazing characters you remember from your own tabletop campaigns. And, and that mechanic
0: cuts both ways in a way that is like heartbreaking to me in a way I, that a game hasn't made me really feel not uh, the outside of like, you know, Final Fantasy 14 or something like that, having like a scripted moment that really hit me. I mm-hmm. haven't felt this way in a long, 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 long time with a game where that Hall of Heroes thing, uh, you. in order to get them basically locked into that Hall of Heroes, you need to get them across the finish line, whether whatever mm-hmm. that looks like for the campaign that you're in. And so in my first like fully successful, I did everything I needed to, I won the final battle thing, I got this whole crew of people that had been with me from the start of that campaign. I really grew to love them. They like I was role playing them in different ways. I had like this one character who was, uh, I believe, an archer. Uh, I forget what they call the archer class. I think it's Ranger um and her whole thing was like anytime anything popped up where she could like commune with nature or anything like that i would make her do it so like at one point she like figured out a way to put stars in her hair because she like mm-hmm. walked into a pond at night that was reflecting stars in the water and she like picked it up and like put it it like just literally put those in her hair and it gave her like magical dazzling powers and that's stuff like cool that that's a cool trick yeah. It was it was really cool and it and it's visually represented on the characters and stuff. And I got them all through to the very final battle and did very well, but one of them died in that final battle. Oh, and no. if they die, they don't get added to that Hall of Heroes. And it's like to me at the time I was like this feels awful. This feels like they've been erased from existence while their friends got to go on without them because, like, they, the, their friends have been added to, like, the annals of history, but, like, the person who didn't quite make it doesn't, like, is just forgotten like that? And it, it, like, tore me up a little bit. And it was, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it was cool that I felt that way, you know, for the first time in that I can remember about a character that I had more or less written myself.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean it seems preposterous to want more from this game in a way, but at the same time, it would be interesting if, because so many legends are created in death, right? Like it would yeah. be interesting if Ooh. more stories could be told with those dead characters, you know, yeah. in some way, but it's like, I mean, God, but we are, we are asking a lot from a game that's already doing a lot, but that is something that I would also probably find, you know, heartbreaking of just like, yeah. Oh, they're mm-hmm. not a legend. Well, they were kind of legendary to me, but I can have that in my heart, I guess, and like, yeah, maybe maybe that is deliberate. Like to your point, maybe that is on purpose because, you know, you can form relationships with a game that don't necessarily need to be expressed back to you. I guess, right? Yeah, um, but yeah.
0: It is interesting, though, because like, again, you've pointed out several times that this feels so uh, very much in conversation with tabletop games and mm-hmm. not only with tabletop games. Like it's it it is very clearly like pulling from the idea of, oh, I'm hanging out with my friends playing D&D with miniatures. Right. They the characters look like little paper dolls that are moving on top of like a game board. But more specifically, it feels very connected to the in terms of like narrative and story. It feels in conversation with like the modern wave of new Tabletop games that have been coming out, like sure. all the spin-offs of Blades in the Dark and Dungeon World and Firebrands, all these different things. And those games are very much that what this game gets right about those games is failing forward. You pointed mm-hmm. this out earlier, John, yeah. about like if something bad happens, your DM might just roll with it. Whereas a lot of those games, another increasingly common thing in a lot of games in this sort of new wave of um tabletop role-playing is to make it so that like hey you get a thing that happens to you when you die you get to just like really blow it out you get to go out in a blaze of glory and really impact this campaign in a huge way and sometimes that's not even death sometimes like it is oftentimes referred to as retirement in these games and that's usually an end game thing and they kind of do that in wildermyth if your character is about to die you have like three options that you can like, oh, they get to kill one enemy before they go down, and you can use that on like a really powerful person to protect your friends, or they can retreat from battle a certain number of times, but if they get wounded again too quickly, they're just dead, dead, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But it would be nice to have like a zenith move is, uh, I forget what tabletop system uses that, but like there's a thing in a a certain game, uh, the ground beneath, I think, where when you retire a character, they get to use like a zenith move and just like completely reshape the world.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh I, I think a lot of the hope from that and a lot of I I mean on on one side of it, I think the team has done a really good job of issuing a lot of updates. There have been a lot of good updates since it went into full launch. Um and and as it's been rolling out, uh I, I've liked the stuff that they've been adding and the stuff they've been addressing. But at the same time, this is a game on Steam, and this is why I specifically was like, I don't know about Switch because this game has workshop support and right. folks, if you want to like find some even wilder, wilder myth, uh, you <laughs> head, head into that workshop. Cause there's <laughs> some, I mean, there's the stuff you would expect. Like some of it is just, Hey, here's some more face options, some more hair options, that sort of thing. Uh, because that system is obviously very malleable, very right. um, open to adding stuff. Um Some of them are just, you know, here's some quality of life changes that might not be in the game yet. And some of them, one I was really into that I was looking at adding the other day, and I'm kind of trying to keep Wildermyth as is right now and not modding it to (laughs) to all heck and back yet. But uh, I I saw one that was uh, specifically for romances when people's uh, form changes. So... As we talked about earlier, there are events that can happen where you won't just you know, gain a new ability or, you know, something changes about your character's personality, but they will also change form wise. They might turn into an animal creature. Like my very first campaign, I had someone turn into a wolf and the first thing that changed was their head, not their, not their hands or their feet, which are (laughs) some of the other modifiable (laughs) ones. It was straight to the head. And I was like, you know what? Let's roll with it. And they were already in a romance at that point, and the romance just didn't seem to change whatsoever. Although there yeah. were some notes in the the peace time, which is the the in between chapters, there are like moments of peace where you see what your characters are doing while there's not really huge waves of monsters to kill or anything. Uh, and it did kind of mention that their relationship with humans in general was getting strained, and that put right. a strain on their relationship. But this mod basically addresses that more head-on and also lets you address it head-on, not just in like, oh, I loved you, but now you're a giant tree monster. Do I still love you? And it's not just like breaking that apart, but can also reaffirm that and have someone be like, no, I still love you even if you're a giant tree monster. We're going to make this work. And so right. uh, I dig that a lot. And I think workshop support could be really big for this game, especially considering it's, it's from a small team and this is a very – I think open-ended game that would see a lot of benefit from continued workshop support, whether that be new class abilities, new, uh, events that happen, or even just, you know, user campaigns, which make a lot of sense for what this game is,
0: which it does have that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh my current campaign uh which i'm currently running on twitter uh people can volunteer to be adventurers <laughs> in it we are my company is the new york mets this is w- <laughs> oh my god wilder mets uh, we are venturing out <laughs> into the unknown uh it's going mets. great mets. <laughs> the wilder mets
2: oh my god that's good that's really good it's yeah. really good yeah i, I th- this game could could use a lot of cool stuff with the workshop i think like I don't know, just even sourcing, like, an additional 10,000 lines of Proc Gen, like, you know, options. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is, I don't know, there's just, there's so much stuff that you could do with this game on the Workshop. And it it reminds me of uh, a a game that we'll never talk about on this podcast again, because it's (laughs) about as far away from an RPG as you can get. But, uh, uh, like, Fire Pro Wrestling World is one of those games Mm -hmm. that's like a a wrestling video game that like really thrives with the fact that it's got Steam Workshop and a bunch of like yeah. really cool uh, user created stuff. and like Wildermyth myth really strikes me as kind of the same same thing that like you've got all these things in the toolbox as it is given to you that are incredible. but you know, yeah, it's like it's really not limited by anyone's imagination. I mean
0: um, I'm looking at the workshop right now and like on the most popular page there is like the the top most popular one is here are more um romance like random events that can happen. Uh, uh below that you've got more peacetime events that can happen like people are absolutely writing their own stuff which I think does tie back into what we all I think kind of agreed on which is that the the art style does not make the most powerful first impression but yeah. it it is so modular that yeah. people can do so I, much I, with it. I think I want to make
2: I want to make two points about the way it looks and and again uh, I'll I'll start by saying yes for me the way this game looks is just not my ideal aesthetic of how a game looks but but I want to set that aside for a second. One I want to revisit something you brought up Stephen about the fact that these are 2D cutouts that are basically on a 2D board that look uh-huh. like you can reach into your monitor and pluck them up with your yeah. two fingers. It's got skeuomorphic UI too. Where yeah, it
0: looks like and, pa- it looks like torn construction paper. On yeah, and, yeah. And, and
2: that and it and it works. It works. Like, it does for what this is. It makes sense. Is it the way I would draw it up myself? Like no, but I think it's like it's obviously very very like well done art in the style. And like, you know, that should be committed in and of itself. The other part of, of that uh, equation that I've had to wrestle with since I kind of was like, well, I don't really like the way this looks is the fact that like I have been a person forever that when I mean, this is a bad example because I don't really play these games anymore. But like when a Grand Theft Auto game would come out, I would go. I would love this game to look 50% worse if I could go a hundred percent more places. Mm. Like if I could like go Go into more buildings, if I could do more things, if like blah, 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 blah. And Wildermyth is kind of like, well, why don't you put your money where your mouth is idiot? Like, do you like like things being a little less like, you know, aesthetically pleasing if we can, you know, actually do this wild shit with it. And I think the answer is yes. Like Mm -hmm. I've, I've, you know, it's like, I also, again, I don't want to like, I don't want to like be uh, mean about the art because I think it's very well done for what it is. It's just not my, it's right. just not my aesthetic, but that that's kind of what I had to wrestle with. And like, I was like, come on, dude, like you used to, you used to tell people all the time that you would love games to look worse if you could just do more shit with them. So here it right. is like, and, and, and I think like, I would rather see this trend start popping off instead of. Um, you know, the opposite happening. So
0: I I think the problem with that, like, quote unquote problem, it's not really the game's fault in any capacity. But the the issue is when you encounter that situation, you then need people like us. As a matter of fact, like like Eric uh, was for me to a large degree. And like you were for me on that stream, John, you need like acolytes of the game and then like Mm, say no this game does do the thing because it's because a good art style you can look at a screenshot and say oh that looks pretty and then immediately know that Mm -hmm. but if like oh this game has a billion different really well written interactions between characters that's not something that you can just see in a screenshot that is something Mm -hmm. that somebody has to tell you with an anecdote or something
1: Yeah. yeah yeah i think that was the uphill battle that this game faced from the beginning was and that's why i kind of compared it to a flash game was it it can get easily swallowed up in a sea of pc games that all kind of you know are are doing what is necessary to make the game function and there are a million games coming out and if it doesn't pop in a way that just immediately smacks you in the face from a screenshot or a gif then it's yeah. a lot harder and wildermyth doesn't pop in a gif and Mm-mm so at the end of the day, you now have to rely on that word of mouth. And so that's why I, I don't know if I call myself a wilderness expert. That was nice of you to call me that. Yeah. I would call myself a uh, Twitter's mo- foremost, uh wilderness yeller, which is just yeah. every Wildermuth time I see poster. someone, every time I see someone do this, like, Oh, well game of the year is coming up. What game should I play before uh-huh. the end of the like- year? I'm like, wilderness, wilderness. There are so many games I like this year. And I, I, Personally, Wildermyth is definitely in the running for my list. I don't know if it's in the running for my number one, but it is like going to be on my list. Uh, but it is the one that I get the most frustrated that it, it needs that push. It needs yeah. people to mm-hmm. play because the second people play it, it turns into this where they're like, oh, no, wait, this is, I have wanted this for a long time right. and this is yeah. it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I this is just one of those games where I've just been like, I didn't really totally know I wanted this, but I'm totally blown away by it. And yeah, I, th- I think I'm in the same boat. Like I don't know if this will be my number one because I think that I think this year has been quietly great for games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. But I think uh, it, it'll absolutely be on my list for sure. Um, for sure I don't th- I don't yeah. think anything will unseat it from the top ten for me.
0: I. I don't know if anything's going to unseat it from my my top three. It might be. All right. It might be at my top. I don't know. It's real
2: good. It's It's surprising. It is just one of those like shocking things, shocking little things that I think, um, you know, this came out in early access in mid, like no late 2019, I believe. Wow. I didn't even know. And um, the, the full release was like not that long ago. And, um, you know like i think this th- this game has probably the longest tail of anything i've played this year oh yeah um this is a game that like we'll get some sort of major update in a year. And then like another mm-hmm. wave of people will play it and go, mm-hmm. why didn't anyone fucking tell me about this game? And then it's like, uh-huh. well, you, don't, you don't follow Eric Van Allen on Twitter, I guess. Um, not enough uh, people do, Frank, <laughs> not enough people do. And then this oh will be, God. this will just be a Hades situation. I since, was going to say, it's going to be Hades <laughs> with it's the Hades <laughs> all since all over, Steven yeah, yeah. was the first person I knew that was like, wow, people should really play Hades. And I'm like, whatever, Steven, it's just fucking great gods. I
0: are shit. goddamn roguelike 37 of these come out every month they're all the same
2: i'm gonna totally ignore the fact that every game that their developer has made it's been one of my favorite games of the year every single time i'm just gonna be like well they fucked up this time and then take like a full year and then play it and go why didn't anyone tell me about this great video game anyway this will be this but for like next year or something Yeah. yeah but now you get to be on the right side of history i know it feels good yeah (sighs)
1: <sighs> awesome. Yeah, I, I do want to know before we move on from it, I think like it's easy to talk about the systems level stuff and and like the larger stuff that it does. But even on like a very base level of gameplay, mages are a hard thing to do in a way that's new. Oh, my and God. Feels interesting. New in a yeah. Game, and mages in this game are. Yeah. Own. Like yeah. it's so cool. Like warriors very straightforward. They kind of do what you expect them to do. That's not to say they aren't fun to play. I love having a warrior that can leap and go into Overwatch and just start smacking everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. they're super fun. Rangers, I'm still still trying to figure out where the 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 hunter, ranger, rogue stuff kind of slides into place uh in the scheme of oh. things. But I love mystics. Uh, The idea of interfusing with objects for those who have not played you uh, the way magic works is you interfuse. So you like connect your spirit to something in the arena. So like a boulder or a barrel or Or a candle. uh, Yeah, a candle. And you then can use the essence of that to create attacks. So you can rip a discus out of the boulder and fling it at your enemies or you can. And it'll skip off
0: enemies and hit more. Yeah, it's like a
1: little like Frolf situation that, <laughs> that you get going. Yeah, uh,
2: it's, it's or, probably the best Avatar video game that's been yeah. Exactly! Yeah. Like, that, that's it. Like, if you want to be the Avatar and have that shit, like, come to life in every battle, like, play Mystics in this game. It you It's can, very can, cool. Because
0: you can spec the different people into different, like... Oh, I'm going to focus on earth magic. I'm going to focus right. on water magic. I'm going to focus on fire magic. And so you are literally just making like benders. You're bent, yeah, that's
2: more or less how it works. You're like and- an enviromancer, which is like the coolest shit. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. Even some of the subclass specializations that they have. So like every class can sort of make Slay the Spire choices every time they level up. And, um, they, you can start to go into areas where you specialize in certain things like bending metal or bending, you know, the elements or bending nature, or you can, I, I, so cowardly, one of the characters I've carried through multiple campaigns. Now she is a magic archer where she uses a bow primarily and will, take the talents that let her interfuse with objects and then get powered up by being near them and light her weapons on fire when she's near them and stuff. And, and she becomes this amazing archer who's also a mage. And I've seen mage knight builds where you split your soul into different interfused objects to tank hits that normally a mage couldn't take. And you fight on the front lines. Yeah. Uh It's, it's really amazing. Like I, I, I think that, that aspect of the game the class options could get expanded out a little bit more and even expand out into another archetype entirely uh just to add a little bit more variety there but especially on the mystic side i i love making mystics because they always end up as radically different characters every single time yeah
0: yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, it is basically like the D&D 4.0, like there's a tank, a healer and a cast or like a tank, a healer and a rogue. And the rogue mm-hmm. is usually ranged, but can be specced into daggers and stuff if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a really good combo that I liked a lot with my archer where she was like very trap focused and she would like throw down a trap onto the ground like a bear trap and that I would have a... Uh, warrior who could like do this like battle roar that made enemies like run away from them so the i like, would like basically stun an enemy by roaring to make them run away and they were like oh no i gotta get out and then they would run right into a trap and then they were stunned for their next turn too and i would just like lock them up like that the entire time it was <laughs> so awesome. good
1: i would never even thought of doing that with a build that is so smart like yeah yeah it worked out great that's awesome
0: Uh, Wildermyth, I am going to, I need to play more. I need to play all of the different campaigns. I hear that campaigns just get better as you go through them. I've only beaten the first one.
1: Um, Age of Ulsterix, which is like the tutorial starter campaign that teaches you kind of how campaigns function and stuff is, I, I thought it was very good. Uh, I'm currently working through both a custom campaign that's just ProcGen and that's the Wildermets campaign. <laughs> nice. uh, and, and also the one about the deepest or the cultist. But I've heard that the last one in the list, which is I think it's called All the Bones of Summer, which is just mm-hmm. a great name oh, for a campaign in a general. Oh, like great someone name. was just really on it that day when they when yep. they came up with that. Uh, that one is, yeah, is it's a coheed, co-heed ass, ass, ass name. name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's true. I've heard very good things about that one. So I'm looking forward to eventually getting to it.
0: And uh, John, you talked to about like how this game is probably like going to get some kind of major update in the next year or so. I, I did just look because I've been one of the reasons I haven't played more of the campaigns is because I've been on vacation and on work trips and I just looked like what was the last update that they did and it's like 1.2 on uh last Thursday Mm -hmm. it adds like three new middle chapter possible like things to happen um the ghost town the library the potionry Mm -hmm. and then like two three new end game events the temple of silence the unseen orchard and the warren and ah, oh, i just yeah. like if they keep because this game doesn't have any microtransactions or anything like that no, so i'm curious to see how they continue to support it over time
2: yeah i mean i i hope i hope that you know in a year or something there they, they just do a destiny and they're like yeah Here, here's a bunch of more stuff and you you can throw us another 20 bucks or whatever which i think would be Great, because I I want yeah, but that's the thing. I, like when I see a game, I think it's like six people that made this game. It's not a yeah. very big team. Um, that scares me a little bit, right? If they're like making all this new stuff for it and and whatever, I hope it's go. I hope it's doing well. That's that's what I mean. I guess. Mm, um, yeah,
0: seven. It's like, yeah. 7,500 overwhelmingly positive reviews on yeah. steam.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, it, not terrible. Yeah. It's not terrible. I think, I think it's probably doing well, especially for six folks in, in Texas. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, I I hope they make more stuff. And I, I also hope they charge for it, honestly, at some point.
0: Totally cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we should probably check back in on Wildermyth at some point, but before I we uh, check back out of this episode of the show, I did, we we kind of made a promise at the beginning. I made a promise at the beginning. <laughs>
2: you did, you did make, you said, we won't only talk about Wildermyth, and I was like, I wonder what Steven's got in her back pocket. Uh-huh.
0: Hmm. It's just like, uh-huh. oh, look at this, look at this little this little sick freak. And he goes,
2: ah, I'm Meepo, oh,
0: it's Meepo, it's Nolan <laughs> oh, North, he's no. here in my hand, and ah, there's six of me, and I'm terrible to play, and I'm a genetic freak finally we're
1: talking about artifact it's about time. finally
0: talking about can you believe artifact
1: was that canceled this year that could, that had to be last year right oh i don't what even was? know the the saga of artifact that is so long year. going from last disappointing year. announcement to uh launching with that bizarre microtransaction model, to yeah, uh-huh. no one playing it, to it becoming a repository for restreams of MCU movies and porn on Twitch to like <laughs> uh, God, and and now it's it's like completely free to play. It's you yeah. could just Yeah, because they, it they abandoned it. it. Yeah, yeah. They,
2: they totally abandoned it. Do you wanna do you want me to part the fan bike curtain for a second about artifact? Uh-huh. We almost uh, created a, an entire website based on that game. Um, <laughs> before and, launch. <laughs> yeah, for launch. We were like, this game is a sure bet. Gabe's not going to let it fail. Everyone's going to love it. And then we it's like. It's a new Valve game, it's everybody. It's a new Valve game.
1: And, uh, Kicking we, TF2 under the bed. Gabe's not going to let it fail. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, um, <laughs> and then at some point we,
2: we got smart and we're like, no, we, we shouldn't do that. So that was very good. And that was good very
0: choice. funny. One of the first things I've, I think I've said this many times before, but one of the first things uh, that was part of my job here when like John came and said, do you want to start a website? And it's like, I would love to have a full time job. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> was uploading artifact cards into the CMS. So we have a big page full. of. Yep.
2: <laughs> I remember that. I remember the. Me- I remember the media server or whatever was just. But like 20 pages of artifact cards uh, before you could see anything else. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, exactly. Time. Uh, I was just going through their Twitter. Ac- I just combed through their Twitter account. And that's like the Web P or whatever the fuck or Jafif. Oh, yeah. Or
2: no. Twitter
1: uses. <laughs> <Jfif>. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> so I would have to individually not just save all of the images because they were useless because they're like Twitter images are useless. So if you try to save them, um, I would go through copy each individual image into paint, save that into a folder and then upload those nightmare. individually into our nightmare. CMS
2: nightmare. So good
0: uh i was actually just gonna real quick check in on some dota stuff because eric you and i i would say like one of our first bonding experiences ever was playing dota together with that old crew yeah well wait was i in that i'm
1: not sure if i was in that crew i'm not
0: in that crew i've played well, we definitely played dota together
1: i think we have played dota together i know that there have been several various dota crews in games media and i know when i went to ti one year i think i met some folks because I uh, I know Miranda Sanchez over at yes. IGN uh, and that was how I ended up like connecting with Mitch Dyer and some other yeah, like same. folks in the media sphere who played Dota. So I don't know if you were at that TI or not, but. Oh, I, I was at
0: throughout that era. I was working at Red Bull Esports, so I was like at every TI during uh, okay. that with that okay. crew with with
1: uh, Miranda and Mitch, Crispy, Casey. Arthur, a bunch of other people. Yeah. Okay. I definitely I definitely probably would have met you there then. But uh can I just say real quick, one of my most prized possessions in this life is a drop I got at that yeah. TI because you had the tickets. When you had the ticket and you were in the stadium, uh, you could get a drop every time there was a first blood. Uh mm-hmm. and I have a first blood from what wound up being the final game of the entire TI. Uh and it's it's for Spectre. It's like a uh, a chess piece for Spectre, which is one of my favorite characters to play in yes. Dota. And I love that thing. And I still get messages about it, people trying to buy it because it, it is on the marketplace for like three hundred dollars yeah uh-huh. and i will never sell it i will be buried with it you'll uh-huh. put it on a flash drive that is my nft <laughs> 100 no, i have the, no eric i mean i'm
0: right there with you i just started playing dota again not too long ago I've, I've fallen off again since for uh warframe and final fantasy but i was playing dota again i was just like oh what's going on over here like they've got a new battle pass let's check it out that anime is out and it's weird um so i played a little bit and i was i was reminded that one of my prized possessions is a golden doomling that i got from one of those ti's which for people who don't know
2: for john who
1: has no idea what we're talking about (laughs) it's just along for the ride
2: right now hey jordo how's it going (laughs) (laughs) i'll get in i'll get in discord chat with you i'll uh uh, Which, uh, i won't i won't click clack
1: how's there not been a dota rpg yet like well what's up with that league of legends rpg is that oh, is yeah they're forging ahead yeah it seems cool yeah it, it looks cool kind of stuff i mean yeah i don't know i mean dota um, could do it
2: if valve still made video games right that's the that's the main issue <laughs>
0: uh but the, the the golden doomling um speaking of rpgs was basically a real world gotcha Which I guess is just gotcha. Gotcha was a real world thing first before it was a video game thing. But at the International, the big Dota 2 championship every year, they would sell merchandise that you could only buy physically in person from there. And one of the things that they sold was blind blocks, blind box plushies of different characters from the game. And it'd be like Doom and Sniper and different other people uh, in there. And... Those boxes, you would get the plushies and people would trade them around because it's like, oh, okay, I've got, I bought 17 of these plushies and I got six of the same guy. So I'm going to trade this to somebody else because somebody else got seven of another. And the reason you would buy so many of them, besides trying to collect all of those, is that the little cardboard boxes would come with codes mm-hmm. that you would type into Steam. Mm-hmm. And those would then give you other random items that yeah, you could they drop. Would. And those items were usually things like couriers, which is like a little thing in a mechanic in the game that is like customizable. You can make them look like a little pig that flies or a guy on a magic carpet, stuff like that. And those had like a one in a thousand chance of being gold, like gold variants. And I got a golden doomling, which is like a little cutesy version of a big demon guy in that game. Uh, So it was like a one in 10,000 total chance of getting this thing or whatever. And, And it was like, you know, on the market for like a thousand dollars or some absurd number, it has gone down dramatically since mm-hmm. then. Yeah, um, over time because I think more people have gotten some. But like at the time, it was there was like this big conversation. I think I was talking to Brad Shoemaker about like, <laughs> what am I gonna do? Should I should I sell? It? I'll I'll keep my and I was like a poor freelancer at the time, so I was like I could buy Steam games for the rest of my life yeah, <laughs> off of yeah. this.
1: That could have funded your Steam library for the foreseeable future.
0: It could have. And I never did. I never sold it. I couldn't mm. bring myself to do it. I still have it to this day.
1: And that's uh that's Dota. That's what Dota's all about at the end that of the day. It's really the beautiful is. game. Yeah, it's it's about the cosmetics, which is why I didn't buy the battle pass. I actually have not played Dota in probably about honestly six months at this point. I think it's yeah. my longest stretch of not playing Dota. Smart. Uh and it was it was actually this year's Battle Pass that turned me off of it because when it came out, uh there was a lot of hubbub over yeah uh, a lot of the cosmetics especially like the fan voted ones from last year's battle pass being locked behind certain yeah. levels of paying into it or buying into it or having to grind into it and yeah you could have you know earned the levels to get up there but i think, but it's they make it basically impossible yeah it, it would have been a an undertaking that no one should undertake and so i know at least from my dota group all of us pretty much stopped playing at that yeah. point because Uh, We just didn't want to grind for it. And uh, I'm interested about the international that's coming up because not only have we not had an international in a while, but it's an international that is still happening in a stadium Uh despite as as we learned just before this podcast started, uh, three members of one team have tested positive for COVID. Uh Uh, So we'll
0: see how that goes. Dota is in such a weird place. Like, I, I genuinely think it is, like, one of the greatest games ever made. Like, just almost objectively. Like, that's a stupid thing to say, but I, like, it's so complex and so ridiculous mm. and so mm-hmm. interesting. You get, like, people probably hear about Dota or they know about Dota and they're like oh it's like League of Legends like League of Legends is a video game like that's a video game for people to play Mm. Dota is a is like a life experience it's like a a, it's a way of life in a weird way because it is like yeah League is just is meant to be balanced in such a way (laughs) that (laughs) normal humans can play it and have a good time Dota doesn't care about balance Dota cares about like what's the most ridiculous shit you can
1: make happen and I love it for that it's I so good. love it for that it's what if what if we just buffed every character what if we mm-hmm. stop nerfing things alright they do nerf things that get a little egregious but then they're like here's an ag scepter and now you can do all this wacky stuff with it and yeah Oh, that.
0: You can pick up a guy and like just carry him with you and he can't do anything about it. And then you drop him on a piece of the map that is impossible to escape unless he has a very specific item. So he tries to send a courier over to him to go get the teleportation scroll to get out of that little place where you have trapped him. But then you kill his courier so he mm-hmm. can't get that
1: item. Mm-hmm. And then you give like, a bunch of gold for your team and just like you just made a little video game for yourself now in the corner. <laughs> I have forgotten how sine, cosine, and tangent function. <laughs> But I still remember every invoker combination for all of his different <laughs> spells. That is, yes. that's what Dota does to you. And for, for a split
2: second, I thought you needed to know sine, cosine, and tangent in order to for play Dota. When I played Timbersaw, and I was, just, and I was yes. absolutely just going to be like, "Yep, that sounds about right. Cool, <laughs> you're not too far off." I uh, love trigonometry honestly. in Defense of the Ancients. It's my favorite. It's my favorite mm-hmm. strategy. It's What's my favorite there? triangle strategy. Did they get rid of it? But like,
0: like doom used to have a thing where it's like level death. You, yeah. yeah. Level death. Where if you like, you would do more damage to people if they're like, not, if their level was a multiple of three and your level was also a multiple of three or something like so that. So
1: the way it scaled, the, the ability itself was called level question mark death. And uh, for every point you put into it, it would change the modifier on the right. scale. So it was, it was a magic damage nuke, but if the enemy was matching up with the right level multiplier, then you would do additional damage to them. So I think it scaled from like five, four, three, two, something like that. Yeah. And, and there were actual builds where it was like, don't level level death again, because once everybody hits max level, it won't ever be able to do max damage again or something like that. Uh, it, I might be imagining that, but that sounds like something Dota would do. Yeah. Uh, But there there were so many I mean, this game has gone through so many permutations where there used to be, you know, when I used to play anti-mage way back when you would just level blink once and then get stats and just dump into stats because you want anti-mage to just be able to farm. And now anti-mage has like I make illusions when I blink and I block spells with my spell shield and stuff like that. It's the game evolves so much over time in a way that I don't see any other MOBA do it because other MOBAs need to maintain some semblance of Oh, if you're a welcoming, if you're a new player, we want to welcome you back. We want yeah. to welcome you in. Welcome back. It's time to play a game, you know, and love. And meanwhile, Dota's like, welcome back. You're going to suck again. <laughs> like, <laughs> that for
0: the for the longest time, one of the most popular guides to Dota was by a guy named Purge. who's kind of become like a face in the industry oh, a little bit yeah. or, or like a, a face of the game. And his guide at the time was called Welcome to Dota. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> it was like <laughs> the de facto, like uh, beginner's guide to Dota for years years hmm God, what a, but also yes, like it is a valve game. So it is like all of the weird lessons that valve learned by hiring like that accountant guy who is like a psychologist or whatever. That was like, I'm an expert on manipulating people's psychology mm-hmm. to get them to gamble more mm-hmm. the, where the place where they put all that was into Dota because their battle passes. Also one of the weirdest things to me, I, this always, whenever people bring up the Dota battle pass, it always occurs to me how strange it is to me that this is where it started. Cause that's the first usage of battle pass like as a term comes from Dota. That's Mm -hmm. where it that's where it started from. And it shows because they are the most grimy,
1: manipulative garbage in the world. I've spent so much money on battle passes that 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 was the other thing was going all the way back to the TI compendiums and stuff, which when they started out were really cool. I love doing the fantasy brackets and stuff like that and being able to see on your Steam friends, you know, oh, they picked that this team was going to make it all the way to the semifinals of the international. And they, you know, was this upset that they got right? It was a little March madness bracket inside the client it was really smart you, you
0: played fantasy football with pro dota teams and then you got battle pass points if your picks got right yeah is what
1: it was john it it was really smart and really incredible and uh i feel like they've just gotten more and more away from that every year and now it's just more and more of a well you can grind this for points or you can pay us more for more cosmetics so i yeah
2: Hey, well, what's up, guys? Complete... What did I miss? I was up a sandwich. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I did try to include you, but I think we're No, it's a good sandwich. I made Jordan. a breakfast sandwich. Got some sausage and eggs on brioche. Uh that's pretty good. Ooh, that yeah. good. I love
0: brioche. Yeah. Um, Jordan just posted a Xenogears uh Action figure, which bums me out into the chat because I thought this was like a gunpla. I was like, oh I, no, it's well It's well tall. It's well
2: tall. Yeah, That's it's sad. a cool action. Wow, is this new? Hey, Jordo, is this new? That's a two hundred dollar well tall. Hmm. Wow, cool. Well.
0: Yeah, that you have to get neat. the level 357 on the battle pass to uh, make it discounted for yeah about, uh 30 and, and then, then it,
1: and then if you want the alt skin you have to land their magic missile attack 42 times in a row right, in a right, single right. game on uh 14 different targets uh, uh if i, and I fail the first time, time i'll just get
2: it. reincarnated like uh <laughs> Fei Fong wong did it's fine <laughs>
1: Well we can wrap
0: up
2: here on this episode of ninety nine posts. <laughs> Mercifully, so it's much. over, folks. <laughs> John for bearing Dota with shit's us. over, everyone. We're ne- everyone. Hey, Jordo, can you do some like celebratory fanfare here? We're never gonna talk about Dota again on the Fanbyte can- Podcast now. Yeah, Jordo.
0: Can you actually just look up like TI eight or something like that and pipe in audio of the crowd cheering at the international from
2: <laughs> one year? I'm just <laughs> kidding. We should, I really do. I am interested in like, a maybe a longer form, something about Dota, but I, yeah, I just can't be anywhere near it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's, it's fascinating and also dangerous. It is
1: fascinating. Like, sure. I, my, I my am therapist fascinated would by like me to stay away. So I, I don't know. <laughs> my
2: therapist would like me to stay away. Uh, but no, that's that that's all it is all interesting. It's just really funny to me how like impenetrable it is.
0: Yeah, it is impenetrable, but it is beautiful, just like 99 potions, the premier fan. What if
2: I downloaded podcast. Dota? What what if you did? What if you and John? What if you did download Dota? Mm, what if I downloaded Dota? What if it's... you just downloaded Dota? What okay, keep going, it going with everything right I might download Dota. What if we played a game right now? Oh yeah, wow. Yeah. No. My
0: thing. <laughs> Oh, my no. thing is
1: closing out this show thank you so much for joining us eric i'm, I'm happy to be here happy to to come on and talk about wilderness and also the brain worms i game myself oh, for a beautiful game literally thousands of hours of dodo logged on steam
0: <laughs> listen eric anything can work and where can people find you
1: on uh, social media or anywhere else uh on social media you can find me at c moosie that's s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i Uh, I am always posting terrible, terrible tweets there that no one should ever read, but you know sometimes they do, and uh, maybe you will get infected with it just like me. Uh, During the day, you can find me over at destructoid.com, blogging about a ton of stuff, mostly just games because there's so many games that are coming out right now. I'm still working through Eastward, and I've got a billion others (sighs) on my backlog, too. I still got to play that. I, I bought it while I was on vacation and haven't booted it up yet. I'm, I'm working on my Eastward take. It's an interesting game, if nothing else, but it is also a very long game. So that's yeah. that's a whole thing. Uh, yeah. And then by night, you can also find me over on Normandy FM, which is a retrospective podcast that myself and FanBite person, Kenneth Shepard, uh, run. We are currently on Final Fantasy X. We even recently had John on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, although that was like a month ago at this point. That feels... Yeah. I feel...
2: I feel like I can't complain about Dota because I did spend half an hour talking about Blitzball on that one. So,
1: Yeah, Ken had to suffer through that. I don't but.
2: really have a whole lot of uh I don't want to have a leg to stand on there, I guess.
1: But Blitzball anyway. is good. I mean, if there was a world championship of Blitzball every year, I'd watch it. That sounds interesting. Oh, God, yeah, so would I.
0: I'm still I genuinely I've worked myself into a shoot on this John. We've talked about it enough that I hope that they add Blitzball to Final Fantasy 14.
1: I do too. I be so that real. We when we were talking about it, and when I got to the point where I was like, "What if they? You could not just compete, but you could hang out in the crowd, and it could be yeah. a social setting, and there could be attire or flags or some sort of stuff that would wreck like, oh like that would show the yeah. in- game teams and all that. I mean, they have you a could get a jersey, Absolutely. yeah, the Blitzball Battle Pass, yeah, the Blitz wow. Battle Battle Pass. pass. Yeah. Finally, oh my God. We well, okay. I've got an
0: email to send to we, we, P yeah. After this, so,
2: <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, we'll we'll move on and say, John. Where can people find you? Oh, you can find me at floppy adult uh, over at uh, Twitter dot
0: fantastic and you can find me on twitter.com at at stevenstrom s-t-e-v-e-n-s-t-r-o-m and you can go to fanbite.com slash podcasts to listen to all of our many many wonderful shows one of which that i am on frequently is channel f but we will be on a little bit less frequently frequently because merit is doing some really exciting new things with the format over there that sound fucking wild and i'm super super jazzed about it. So check that out. Check out fanbite.com for all of our wonderful content. Check out our uh, Final Fantasy XIV coverage if you are into RPGs because uh, one Michael Hyam and one Mike Williams have been doing a lot of that stuff for us and it has been uh, blowing up over there. It's very, very fun. Just like the game itself and just like Jordan Mallory who is on Twitter at Jordan underscore Mallory or Goodwill Goblin on Twitter to uh, follow his wonderful, uh, fun Twitter account over there that shows all the best like weird goodwill
2: finds that video one, games one was like a um one of those rare chrome gamecube DVD players Oh that was only oh. out in japan for like two years yeah that's wild i was like i can't i might go look at that yeah mm. anyway.
0: genuinely the number of times that i find myself saying to a thing that like jordan has posted what if I did though? What if I got if I that? Did though?
2: Yeah. What if I do, what if I did get that? What are they called? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh,
0: Panasonic yeah. Q. Jordan says. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But uh, those giant packs of games, you know, like you know, oh, Gaylord. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a Gaylord of like uh, 157,000 copies of uh, uh, Tony Hawk's Downhill. Downhill jam. Oh, yeah, downhill like, jam. It's, like it's you gonna know. be
1: that good. No, you're gonna get all <laughs> no, the you're right. Madden games and NHL. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's like <laughs> exactly uh, it it's like
2: twenty eight thousand copies of you know Madden 03 or something. Okay. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: uh we don't have time to uh, sort through 23,000 copies of Madden 03, but we do have time to sidle on up to the bar, like we mm. do at the end of every here podcast at mm. friendby.com, and take ourselves a big old drink of potion, or ether, elixir perhaps, X potion No one's quite sure what's in this, but I do know that when we take a sip, we first go...